is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about international business and globalization and the effects these have had on our life, our work and our travel over the last 50 years or so. In each program, we interview a person from another country or with strong connections to another country to get their unique perspective on these matters and how they've affected their life, their work and their business. There's a little bit of history, a dash of economics, a sprinkling of business, and an overlay of personal experience, both from me and from my interviewees from around the world. Today, we will be talking to Stuart Cross. He is the CEO of Morgan Cross Consulting. Uh, he's an expert in strategy, growth, and business transformation. And he works in partnership and in advisory roles with top companies in the UK and 15 other countries. He's also a speaker and author chartered accountant, although he tells me he doesn't confess to that on first dates. And uh, I'm delighted to have Stuart join me today on the line from the UK. Welcome, Stuart. Delighted to have you here with us today. Thanks, Patrick. And it, it has been a little while since I've had a first date, so... Uh, <laughs> <I'm not sure laughs> Okay, tell me about it. I'm in the same boat. Um, so just to kick off then, Stuart, could you tell me a little bit about your career to date? I guess, you know, we're probably more or less of the same vintage, so you have a career of maybe, what, three decades behind you or something of that order. Um, so what's what's the story been? Yeah, Duke, um, uh, I, I, I've, I've been searching for a career all my career, really, and... Um, <laughs> But it probably divides into three. I spent eight to nine years working for Pricewaterhouse as an accountant with them, which was great, seeing loads of different businesses, mainly in the UK. Um, I then worked for Boots the Chemist um, and uh, worked with them for about eight years. And one of my key roles there was I ran the strategy team for, for Boots retail business, which was excellent. Kind of really opened my eyes to senior decision making and some of the big choices that companies face. Um, you know, not an easy time for Boots. But for the last 13 years, I think now, 13 years I've been running my own consulting business, which is the best job in the world. And, and I help companies, hopefully I help them to grow, uh, to succeed and to perform better. Great. So in your consultancy business, Morgan, Morgan Cross, what exactly do you, do you do as a consultant? Who do you do it for? And how are they better off after they've been working with you than they were before? Yeah, the, um, well, I tend to work with, um, my background's in retail, so I work with a lot of retail companies, but also increasingly non-retail businesses, but my focus is on strategy, helping companies develop, craft, deliver um, strategies that can help them accelerate the growth. And so, kind of my, when I, after I've worked with a client, what I would want is that they have a clearer idea of where, what they're trying to achieve as a business, a better set to make that happen, and that they are growing faster than they either were before or would, would otherwise. Okay. And then when we, when we talk about strategy, um, what do we mean and what do you mean by strategy when you talk about strategy and the strategy you do with these clients and, and why is it important? To, well, to me, um, strategy, strategy done well should help you, um, should help a business perform better. It should lead to superior performance. And um, in terms of what a strategy is, I see um, four aspects to that. And I think if you can, if you can articulate these four aspects and, and they kind of make sense together, then I think you've got something of a strategy. So, so the first item is, is a clear goal, a number one goal, I call it, which responds to your external challenge. 
So something that says what is the, what, what is the challenge that we are trying to um, resolve? So, for example, I worked with a, a, a UK retailer called Tops Tiles uh, a few years ago, and we set a challenge for them to grow their market share from 25% to 33%. So that goal was the kind of the, the starting point of their strategy. And without a goal, I think it's really hard to, um, to, to create a strategy. It's like a, like, like a ship on the ocean. If you don't know where, which port you're heading towards, you kind of, it's hard to set your sails. Um, so, so, so that number one goal is the first bit. The second bit is really identifying what your playing field is. So who are your customers? What products are you offering them? What um, channels do you reach them by? What's your geographical reach? So for Top Styles, they're a UK business, um, but they wanted to be multi-channel. And, and their share goal was about um, tiles. So when I started working with them, they were selling decorating materials. They were selling wooden flooring. They got rid of that because it wasn't relevant to what they were trying to achieve once they defined a goal. Um, so that's the second bit, your playing field. But the third bit is how you win. So the third aspect of a strategy is how you win. So are you trying to be the cheapest? Are you trying to have the sexiest products? Are you trying to have, be the best quality, have the best service? How is it you are trying to win as an organization? So those three elements kind of bring as the kind of cornerstone of your strategy. But the fourth bit is your agenda for action. So what are the few things, a handful of big objectives you're going to focus on to turn that strategy into a reality? Okay, and then when when you're working with the uh, with, with clients, how do you do that? Is that is that a long process? Is it relatively short? Are there lots of people involved? Few people? Is there a huge kind of analysis and number crunching, or is it more um, empirical and wisdom, yeah, business yeah. wisdom? How's it done? It can vary. In general, um, in general, most of my clients are probably um, turnover wise, so about the hundred to five hundred million pound size, um, but what I tend to do is work with the leadership team, usually the executive team. So that's anywhere between six and a dozen people. But it, I have worked with 50 people setting strategy. So I've worked with bigger groups as well. And there will be, I will work with the team to do some insight and analysis because I think I want it grounded in um, insight and reality, the strategy work that I do, rather than just grounding it in anecdote. So I like to do some, some real work. But over a series of two, three sessions, we're able to ground out a strategy and a kind of high-level roadmap, a high-level plan for delivery. And I can do that over the prolonged period of kind of two or three weeks, usually, commonly, it's three to five weeks. It shouldn't be a long process. Try and keep it short. Try and keep some momentum and, and focus to it. And I think I get better results that way. And the client gets better momentum into delivery as well if we, if we keep it um, kind of short and, and a bit of zest to it. Mm-hmm. And in your experience then, where are the, the pitfalls or where do people tend to get lost or, or, or fail when, when they fail between the formulation and the implementation? Yeah, um, uh, obviously my clients don't fail, Patrick. That's been <laughs> so it's hard for me to say. No, I think... Um, I, I think that people are quite good at creating a vision of what they kind of want their company to be. And most companies are pretty good at project management. The tough bit is the bit about translating that vision into what it means. I, you know, what I say is that companies can get lost in translation. Mm-hmm. And so that is about 
the alignment of the organization. That's about things like resource allocation. That's things like stopping pet projects and things that aren't relevant to the, uh, to, to the strategy that you've developed. Um, it's about all of those things. It's, get, it's about getting your ducks in line so that what you're implementing is directly related to the strategy that you've set out for your business. Getting that right, I think, is the, is the most important thing. And then how would you explain or contrast the difference between what, what is strategy, which you've explained very well, and then what is tactics? So um, let, let me explain it with a little example. Mm-hmm. When I uh, was um, working for, for Boots the Chemist, we, I, I developed something on a format strategy, so to have different retail formats. So there was a high street format, an edge of town retail park, format a small store format so each of them had played a different role for customers and had a different offer and um, we ran a project in London looking at a city centre convenience store format and what we did didn't work but because even though it didn't work we went away and we had another go and then we had another go at it until it was right because formats were part of our strategy if we were just looking at tactics, if it didn't work, we would forget about the whole idea of the format and would go on and do something else. To me, if you're just tactically focused, you're just trying to find something that works, anything that works. It's not related to, you know, if, you're in, if we go back to the, our boat in the ocean, it's not about getting to your destination. It's just about kind of staying afloat. <laughs> um, yeah. Interesting. Why do you think, you know, I find uh, going around the place, uh, working with my clients, um, most managers and even managers quite high up uh, spend the vast bulk of their time uh, preoccupied with with tactics and operations. Uh, Do you find that? And why do you think that is? Yeah, I I think, um, (laughs) to be honest, most successful high level managers before they come to one of my sessions, kind of do not look forward to doing strategy work. They kind of resent the idea of having to do strategy because it gets in the way of doing the job. And uh, I think people get their satisfaction out of getting things done and, you know, practical things done. And strategy uh, involves different muscles. It involves kind of thinking about things in a different way to the way managers and teams normally think about it. Hopefully, the kind of way I work with my clients is they find it quite rewarding and, and, and enjoyable as we go through the process. But I think um, a lot of uh, managers or people in organisations are rewarded for solving crises. And, and probably one of the ideas of a good strategy is you have fewer crises. And so, and so there, there's that tension as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Strange, isn't it? Um, what we might do now is I might, I, I'd be interested to get your view kind of on the wider world of what's, what's happening out there. So, um, you know, over the last 30, 40 years, um, we've had this economic globalization that has advanced and given us the, the modern economy that we have. But since about 2016, there are there about so there's all kinds of pushback. There's Trump and just Brexit and trade wars and so on. So in your view, where do you think we are with uh, economic globalization, and where do you think we're headed? I know it's a big it's question. A really but, tough yeah. one, isn't it? But, it? but we're obviously taking a step back from globalization. Certainly, here from the UK, feels like Brexit 
the whole Brexit debate was a response to, in some ways, to what to globalization and people, uh, certain groups of people at least, kind of um, wanting to move away from that. Um, you know, it's not working for them. And I think politically, obviously, in the US, that has become bigger. That has led to some real tension between the US and China. And I just think going forward, there will be some kind of, I don't cold war is probably too strong a term, but cold commercial war, there's mm. some kind of trade war. It's already happening, but friction will continue between, to, between those two superpowers. And economies like the European economies, I think are going to get caught in the middle of that. But I think for, for companies, um, the idea of building global businesses is becoming harder and harder. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned Brexit and you are, you are in the UK. So uh, for your own business, uh, is Brexit having an effect? Is it a threat, an opportunity? How do you see it? Uh, it, it to be honest, Patrick, it's been relatively neutral so far. The, um, I, about 80% of my business is UK business. 10 or 15% is in the US. Uh, and then... I get work in other countries kind of every now and then. And so I, I'm feeling it'll probably affect me in terms of I'm, the level of European business will go down unless it's for a company thinking about operating in the UK. And so, so there mm. might be something there. Um, but today it's been relatively neutral. And I, and I think Brexit is getting blown out of the water by what's happening with the whole pandemic at the moment. Yeah, so yeah, the, the impact on the economy from Brexit seems like a rounding error that kind of leads us into the next thing so what, what, what are you seeing so as we're recording this we're kind of uh, been in this now for a couple of months what have you noticed in terms of coronavirus and, and your clients and their business and your own business I think for, for well for my clients the first four to six weeks were just getting their heads around it trying to respond as best they can changing operations changing the business processes, trying to find something that allowed them to continue. And for most of my clients, they are operating to a certain level. Some of them are, are, do, are doing really well and others are, you know, 80%, 90% down in terms of normal income levels. So they're trying to find ways around that. I think over the last few weeks, um, starting to get their head from that and think about the next stage, I have, I'm actually working with a couple of clients where we're working on strategy beyond the pandemic. So I wouldn't say most of them have got their head space into that yet. Most clients haven't. But I do have a couple of clients where that's what I'm working on at the moment, where we're, we're specifically working on how do we think the world's going to change beyond the pandemic and what does that mean for this organisation now? What do we need to change in terms of our focus and our strategy? That was actually going to be my next my next question. So how how is uh, coronavirus and maybe Brexit now to a lesser extent um, uh, affecting business strategies for the for the future? What 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 are people thinking about? Or what are they saying? Well, I think I think it will. It's going to affect it hugely. Um, let, I, let me just share the kind of things that we're we're, we're talking about and looking at in, in terms of the projects I'm doing. One of the the kind of first steps I'm doing with them is to start to think about. What behaviours that we're seeing do we think are transitory, are just, going to, are just part of the crisis but will move away? And which changes do we think are here to stay in some form or other? They might not be quite as acute as we see, but they're here to stay. So, for example, uh, online shopping has taken a step up over the, you know, 
I think Mike Coop, the boss of Sainsbury's here in the UK, said it took 10 years to get to 7% of their business being online, but it took six weeks to go from 7% to 15%. <laughs> so that idea of having a few years worth of change in a few weeks, it's not yeah. going to go back to 7%. It might drop back to 10%, but it's a step change. Um, and different clients will have different things. So we've been looking at what behaviours do we think are going to change, and on the back of those behaviours, what opportunities does that give the business and what challenges does it give them? Um, so we've been looking at that, but we've also been looking at doing some scenario planning, mm. thinking through how long do we think the pandemic's going to last? Is it a long time? Is it short? And how effective do we think the economic response is going to be from government or government? You know, is it going to be effective? Is it going to be relatively ineffective? Basically, we're saying, how bad is this going to get? Is it going to get really, really bad? Or is it just going to be terrible? Um, but, but by setting up those different scenarios and then saying, right, let's test our strategy in each of those scenarios, how well does it stand up? If certain things stand up in each of the scenarios, let's crack on. We should be doing more of that. We should be accelerating it. And if things we feel aren't relevant anymore or don't work, then maybe we should get rid of it. And so I'm... With one client, I'm just going through the process this week of actually deciding which areas to accelerate, what new initiatives to introduce, and which things to pull or, or defer at this point. So I've, I would urge kind of business leaders to start to think about not just their response now, but what this means for their agenda, because the quicker you can get on the front foot on this, I think the uh, in terms of how you reshape your business and its strategy, I think the stronger you'll, you'll get through, both through the pandemic and, and beyond. Very interesting, yeah. So um, going to change pace again. So we're going to come maybe just talk to you about you. Um, so outside of, of work, what kind of things uh, do you like to do in terms of hobbies and pastimes? Uh, well, my two big passions, I guess, um, like a lot of people, I guess, are, are sport and music. Mm -hmm. So I'm in my mid-50s now, and probably eight, nine years ago, as part of my midlife crisis, I joined my first <laughs> band. I played the guitar really badly for 40 years. I, haven't, I started playing when I was 16, and I probably haven't got any better since I was 16 and a half. But um, I love it. And I play in a band, and now one of my sons is our drummer in the band oh, as well. Excellent. So that is great. So we're not able to rehearse at the moment, so we're doing it online. We're kind of using technology to share songs and, and, and practice things. So there's that. But the other thing is sport, and uh, I coach, coach football, coach junior football, and um, I've done it at a reasonable level, like semi-professional kind of academy okay. mm -hmm. level. Really enjoy that. Um, uh, and I'm hoping that I get a chance to start doing that again soon. Because I've had to take up running lately, which is the worst hobby to get, but it's making me feel better. Yeah. Clears the head. I do it, I do it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, lately, have you read anything lately that's particularly inspired you you'd like to share or recommend to a listener? I read a, I read a book uh, lately called Extra Time by Camilla Cavendish. I think writes in the Financial Times here in the UK. Anyway, it's a book about ageing and how okay. ageing is going to change. And um, there's another book by Linda Gratton called The Hundred Year Life, which is you could probably read alongside it. And so this idea that notwithstanding the, the current pandemic, that people 
who are born now, are likelihood, they've got a 50-50 chance of reaching 100. So the idea of our lives and careers being boxed between 20 and 60 is, is, is gone. We're yeah. going to be working till 70s, 80s. So we might not be working at the same pace, but I, you know, two of my brothers retired last year. Uh, they're slightly older than me, but they kind of retired. <laughs> it made me think about, right, so what do I want to do with my life? How do I see my life evolving through my 60s, 70s and 80s? And, and how should I be changing to do that? I haven't got any conclusions yet, but I'm finding yeah. it really thoughtful thought it's a fascinating fascinating topic and i agree totally you know it's yeah. it's going to be you can't you can't retire now at 60 65 and live for another 30 years it's not going to be feasible is it there's only so many episodes of homes under the hammer <laughs> but but and so you want to still be contributing i want to be contributing you want to be doing something positive something that engages you yeah. but how do you do that for young people they're not going to be able to afford to retire at 65. That's true. That's so true. How, how, do, how does the world of work change? I think it is a kind of fascinating topic. Yeah, it is. So where can uh, people find out more about Morgan Cross, uh, more about you and your services and, and your thinking, your writing and so on, you know, website, social media, all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. So in, t- in terms of my website, that is morgancross.co.uk probably the easiest thing. Um, on social media, I am, I'm on LinkedIn if anybody wants to link in with me. And uh, on Twitter, I am at Stuart underscore Cross, where I'll be talking a bit about business, a bit about sport, and a bit about Preston North End, uh, and a little bit of music. <laughs> uh, so, so if you're interested in any of those four things, you might want to, to follow me there as well. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much, Stuart. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure talking to you today. Keep well, uh, keep safe, look after yourself and your family. Cheers, Patrick. All the best. Thanks also to our listeners. And remember that if you would like to find out more about globalization, international business, and how we can help you to formulate and implement business strategies that deliver, please check out my blog and website on albalogistics.com and my book, International Supply Chain Relationships, which can be purchased on Amazon and Google Books. This is Patrick Daly of Alba Consulting. Goodbye and keep well until the next time.